Hi, I'm Thomas Clements, and this is the Zenith Ministries Podcast. Welcome to our message of hope, security, and an exploration of true happiness. I'm glad you're here with us as we continue to share our stories of the many peaks and valleys of life and the beauty, truth, and goodness we were able to find in it. Please visit our website at zenithministries.com to connect with us to discover more. When I was an adamant 16-year-old atheist, I held strongly to my anti-religious views for a variety of reasons. One reason was that this viewpoint allowed for me to make decisions without the Christian moral compass that might obstruct me from doing the damaging activities that I wanted to do. Another reason why I lacked faith was because I could not see God. I misunderstood. I concluded that God was not real because I could not fully comprehend him, nor could I conceive in my mind what heaven would be like or how he could exist despite the presence of evil in the world. I failed to look at those who had come before me who had successfully found God and learned from them. I mistakenly looked at others who had failed to see God and chose to continue their faulty and erroneous formulas that arrived at their negative conclusions. About a year ago, I listened to a finance book on Audible called Million Dollar Habits by Brian Tracy. It was actually quite excellent. It was, it was really good. And the skills learned in running your professional life quite easily transfer to one's concern for the spiritual life. One such point that Brian made was that he said that we can believe that it is possible for each of us to become millionaires because other people have done it. Right now, just to remind everyone, that's not what I'm trying to do here, become a millionaire through Zenith Ministries. However, I did learn that actually the U.S. alone has about 11 million millionaires. Uh, and so the point that Brian is trying to make is that if 11 million people can reach that level of financial success, then it is possible for each one of us to as well, Right. Uh, and he and other financial gurus would then advise one aiming for that level of financial success not to copy those who failed in business. Instead, the overall consensus is to imitate those who have been successful. We are told to do what they do if we want to reach their level of success. This is great advice, and I would say the same goes for our aspiration of seeing God. If we want to know God, we should not follow the advice of those who have failed to do so. We should look at all of the saints and the holy people around us today who have beautiful relationships with God and say, if they can do this, so can I. Therefore, we know it's possible to have a relationship with God as many intelligent, sane, and incredibly generous people have had one currently and throughout history. We must look at what they did and follow their procedures if we wish to do the same. It is good to mention briefly that every person who sees God has humility, patience, persistence, and prayer, and fights to follow his plan. It would make sense then for God seekers to follow in their footsteps. Furthermore, there is one quality given to us by Jesus in the gospel that he ensures will allow those who have it to most definitely see God. 24 carats is the term used to identify pure gold. To make gold more fashionable and easy to wear as jewelry, jewelers 
will often add other metals to it to harden it up and change its color. These metals obviously uh, then lessen the purity that the gold possesses, which in turn makes it less expensive. We could say that a 24 karat heart has no metals in it that come between the person and God. A pure heart is one that is 100% full of God. For those who are pure in heart, God comes first in everything with no exceptions and without any tainted desires to lead us away from him. Throughout the gospel, Jesus instructs us to have a 24-carat heart, and at the Sermon on the Mount, he proclaims that those who possess such a treasure will be rewarded with seeing God. This means that those whose hearts are fully for God will see him both in heavenly glory and in the world around them. It's not a carrot to lead us to good behavior, but instead, it is a natural effect of living a life seeking and loving God in all things. To see God means to never look at the world around us, our neighbors, or ourselves again without being awestruck by the immense grace that God pours out to us as we are able to find reflections of Him in everything around us. It means seeing reality as it truly is and then being encouraged, strengthened, and consoled by it, not torn down, stressed out, or embittered. Additionally, seeing God gives us such an interior life that we can become invincible to what others think of us, to our worries about the future, and to the regret from our mistakes of the past. When we are truly pure in heart, we can get to the point where we can't even look out into the world and not have it reflect God. We will see Him in the trees, the sky, the rain, the ocean, mountains, our relationships, using the computer, watching movies, and more. I one time was trying to think of an example to convey this understanding in a talk I was set to give when I looked out the window to see my neighbor's garbage can sitting at the end of their driveway, waiting to be emptied by the trash service. I immediately realized how this was a sign of God. No, God is not garbage, but he does take away my emotional and spiritual garbage. Just like the garbage truck is going to come by and take away the rejected trash that my neighbors put out, so too does God take away my sins, my shame, and often my pain brought on by the tumultuous struggles of life when I give these things to Him to take away. Another way that this works can be seen through holiday decorations. First, to better understand this, we need to keep in mind how vast and deep and infinite God is. He is more than my mind will ever comprehend, which kind of makes it easier for things to point beyond themselves to him because he is really so easy to think of. Right now, I look out my window and I see Halloween decorations. What are these decorations meant to do? They are set out to celebrate Halloween, yes, and when we see them, we think of Halloween. Sometimes seeing these decorations causes certain memories to flash before my eyes, or I think about plans for this Halloween or, or future Halloweens. I think about the idea of Halloween, even if just briefly. Or if I have time to contemplate it deeper, I can think all kinds of different thoughts revolving around the theme. Okay, one thought I recently had uh, that I, I think it's pretty interesting, it's about monsters. Dracula, Frankenstein's monster, uh, a mummy, zombies, a werewolf, all of these are human beings with certain defects that make them less than human, right? Just like uh, Frankenstein is the compilation of many different body parts and then a brain placed in his head uh, and then electrocuted and then he, he becomes alive, he becomes 
a, a living thing in a way uh, like a man, but not quite a man. So he, he's less than human, which makes him uh, a monster, right? Uh, there are just a few things off that, that turn them into these monsters, which could point us to the idea of what sin does to us. I believe that my life was absolutely monstrous when it was filled with addiction and sadness and atheism. Going back to the Halloween decorations, what I have come to see is that decorating for holidays is a beautiful way to celebrate, but it also imitates God the Creator who majestically decorated the world in order to make us think of Him. All the things in life have their alternative purposes, of course. But ultimately, they can all point us to the Almighty One. Speaking in terms of metaphysics, if something has any of the qualities of the transcendentals, which are truth, beauty, or goodness, it points us to God, who is the source of all truth, all beauty, and all that is good. God filled our lives with such things to point us to Him. Like a home filled with Halloween decorations inside and out is meant to point us to Halloween. We should not be so literal as to miss the deeper meaning of life. The whole Bible is like one big lesson on this, on how we should not judge and see things merely based on appearances. But we need to see things more deeply, how God sees them. Everything in some way is given to us, put on our path for our salvation. For those who have ears to hear, let them hear. For those who have eyes to see, let them see. And when we see and hear the things of God through our daily experiences, life becomes heavenly. Even with the struggles that come, and they will still come, we see through them to God. We see the joy of heaven more clearly. We understand the peace of God better. And we know the power of God more intimately. All of the promises of God come true. Once again, All of this occurs now on earth. Jesus promised that those who are pure in heart will see God. Others have done so, and so it must be possible. How then can we too be pure in heart? Well, first, baptism makes way for the initial cleansing of our souls from sin and their inhabitation by the Holy Spirit. Through it, eternal life begins. So through baptism, eternal life begins, and that's taught by the catechism. And we are made temples of the Holy Spirit. It is by cultivating a relationship with the Spirit, by seeking Him and listening to Him and following Him, that we grow in our spiritual stature and maturity. Even years after our baptism, we may still find quality in our spiritual life by being pure in heart, by committing ourselves to the three following ideals. So number one is frequenting the sacraments made available to us, continuing our pursuit of relationship with God and encouraging others to do the same. Number two, we can cultivate our relationship with God by dedicating certain time to Him throughout our day when we talk to Him, actively work to listen to what He might want to say to us, or by simply remembering that we are in His presence. And number three, we can set aside certain activities we do throughout our day and dedicate them to God, such as an exercise routine, a hobby we enjoy, the sacrifices we make for our family and friends, uh, anything done for God, if it's truly for Him and betters ourselves and others, can be a path to purity of heart. These all, of course, are only steps to take to achieve the goal. So if we find ourselves falling short at times, we remember that God truly looks at the heart to judge our spiritual success. Being pure in heart 
lies in the seeking, not the completing. As long as we do our best and continue to climb despite our fears, shortfalls, and complete failures, God will reward us. All we must do is our best to rid ourselves of the metals that harden and misshape our hearts. If we seek and find this treasure of being pure in heart, the reward is far beyond the pain that it took to get it. The ability to see God is in fact worth more than all of the gold in the world. That is why we must fight for it and help others to do so as well. And once again, we want to do this so that we can enjoy our experience of a heavenly life now, uh, not just to to suffer now and then eventually enjoy it in the future. Uh, This can be understood with a, a, a slight analogy with education. The current understanding of education that many have right now is that they need to go to school to get a good job one day. They see grade school as a preparation for middle school. Middle school then preps us for high school. This in turn gets us ready for college where we hope to get the degree that helps us attain our career. Some want lots of money. Some just want to make ends meet. Some want to enjoy their career and make an impact. But all see the school system as the ladder to success to do this. What if this is only true to a certain extent? Yes, each grade level is meant to prepare us for the next, but each grade level is also meant to help the students be the best they can be at that age. The grade levels are meant for that stage of growth as well, to help each student encounter the world they are in in a way that is appropriate for their age. What am I saying? Education is not simply meant to prepare us for the future. A first grader is not simply going to school so that one day she can be an accountant. Or a high schooler is not simply taking biology to one day become a doctor. No, the classes are meant to help the students better understand the world they are currently living in, communicated to them at their age level. While school helps students prepare for the future, it is truly meant to help them today as well. That is why we have all students take math to help form their brains to solve a variety of real-life problems, or science to better know the natural world around them and more. School is not meant to only be a preparation for the future, but a way for each student to better experience the world around them at the time of their learning. And you know what? The same is true for this life on earth. Yes, we're meant to live for heaven and to seek it first, but the heavenly realities are already present in seed form for those who have been baptized. Jesus told his followers in Luke 17, 21, For behold, the kingdom of God is among you. Heaven has already begun for us. Therefore, it is possible to know and see God now. Once again, not in the full way that we will in heaven, but seek to have a pure heart. Seek first the kingdom of God and seek to understand the world how he does and get ready to receive what you ask for. Thanks for listening. Glad you joined us. Please help us out by subscribing to our podcast and leaving a review. You can like and share it on social media if you think it might help someone else. Uh, Please subscribe to our email list as well. Just at the bottom of zenithministries.com, there's a place for that. We are now accepting signups for a one-on-one mentoring program, and that's found on our website too. Uh, Please come partner with us as we lead others to the heights of humanity.